Welcome to the Asylum. And now, your hosts, Rick Flieger and Rick Briggs. That's right. Welcome into the Asylum Fantasy Sports Show. Now a proud member of the Full-Time Fantasy Podcast Network. Check out this and countless other great fantasy sports podcasts at FullTimeFantasy.com, at FullTimeFantasy on the tweeters, and as always, you can follow the Asylum, AsylumFantasySports.com, at AsylumFootball, and AsylumFootball at gmail.com. And Rick, it is getting ever closer. Draft season is upon us. Head on over to FullTimeFantasy.com to participate in the free Best Ball World Champion Championships, any $35 starter league, the $299 online championships with a $50,000 grand prize, and even the eighth annual world championships in Las Vegas. Rick, take what you learn here on the network and turn it into some real cash. And I can see by your gesturing, I need to turn the headphones down. Is that what all that is? No, I mean, we're okay. I was just uh, not prepared. It, uh, the new equipment is amazing, I must say. And um, like Rick said, we're on the full-time fantasy podcast network. We are Flieger and Briggs. This is the Asylum Fantasy Sports Show right here. We are like, uh, I mean, this is draft season. I it, mean, we're not even time. now. We're not even, okay, it's coming up because there's, there's leagues having them now. And I'll tell you what, I saw something, Rick, before we get into some of the burning questions and so forth. Um, listen to some other pods here and there, you know, obviously just to try to, I hope they were on the full-time fantasy network. And one of the, one of the subjects came up was, is it more beneficial, um, to draft as late as possible? You know, meaning the draft date, not in your draft. All right. Certainly. Right. And the answer came up. No. It's not. It's not because the numbers show that it doesn't really matter when you draft. You can draft in June, July, August. It, the numbers bear that out. What, what number? Dash. What numbers are these? Uh, you know, I, I mean, on aggregate, I guess how many devastating injuries are there in camp? So probably the numbers bear out that it doesn't have a huge difference, at least statistically significant. Okay, but if you drafted the guy in the first round who blows out his ACL, yeah, yeah it's pretty significant to you. I mean, you, you back off just even three or four days ago. Say you drafted in the Scott Fishbowl. I know we've got a draft early in the Scott Fishbowl. Right. There's 1,200 players for well, crying out loud. Well, it's best ball. That's, right. a, that's a different ball. Exactly. Game. Say you drafted Andrew Locke. Say you drafted Melvin Gordon, right. Ezekiel Elliott, and Antonio Brown. You did, that'd have I been mean, a pretty good team. You're a heroin addict by now. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? I mean, it does, to me, as, as late as you can get your league together, is close to the season, the better off you are. Oh, there's just, there's no question about that. I just wanted to touch on that. That was yeah, just I mean, interesting little take on, on, on that subject. Look, num- numbers do us a lot of good and uh, bear a lot of things that that you might not find otherwise and change our perspective of things. But some of them are just nonsense. <laughs> I mean, that is just. Yeah, probably statistically, I, I guess I get it. I guess I see where, where they're coming from. But my goodness, come on, common sense just tells you for the one guy 
who drafted the wrong guy. It's huge. It, it's massive. The odds of it happening to you are pretty low, I grant you. But when it does, right. it, it's pretty bad. It's happened to all of us at it's, it's some point or the other. Exactly. I mean, ideally, that first Thursday at about 6 p.m. is when you ought to be having your drafts. That's not realistic, especially for people like <laughs> yeah. us who the, the, the last remaining relics <laughs> who still like to get together and drink beer and eat food and draft and laugh and have fun rather than push buttons and then send out tweets about how much damn smarter we are than everybody. That's what fantasy football drafting's become. We're still ancient enough to enjoy getting 12 drug addicts and ex-cons in the studio And here. drunks. And, well, certainly <laughs> drunks, and, and drafting a live team together. And, yes, yeah. it takes three or four hours, but, you know, it, it doesn't make me want to kill myself. No, actually, it uh, you know is something I actually look forward to. That's a dying thing, man. People don't want to do it. Exactly. But, hey, we are getting close. You know, like we said, it's draft season. We've covered a lot of questions concerning running backs and wide receivers. We're going to touch on some quarterbacks. Not a whole lot really to talk about there. Obviously, one, Mr. Luck. We're going to be discussing, no doubt about that. We are going to overreact to preseason week one, recording this a day day (laughs) early, so we're not not going to have any game two game, but we are going to way overreact to week (laughs) one, and we're going to do that throughout the preseason. But let's start with some headlines. Well, let's start with this, Rick. I hope this – send us some feedback, please, at Asylum Football on Twitter, asylumfootball at gmail.com. We have, at great effort and great great expense – done a complete rework of Studio B here at the Asylum. New equipment, new computers, new processors, new board, right down to new wires for the microphones. We think it sounds good, but you know, we're a little biased. So let us know if you think too much, too little. Give us some feedback, not on the content of the show. We know you hate that and can't <laughs> stand us. But what's it sound like when you're listening to it at two and a half speed and thumping your chest <laughs> and reporting that on Twitter? How does yeah. it sound while you're doing that? That's what we care about. Exactly. All right, so let's get into some headlines, Rick. Hey, drop us a line at, uh, you know, asylumfootball at gmail.com or at asylumfootball on Twitter. I would say probably not next week. I would say two weeks from now, too, for anybody who still uh, accesses Blog Talk Radio. We're, we're going to get back into that, and we want to start taking some live calls. So keep, keep that in mind if you want to listen live. Generally, we'll record Wednesday nights, what, Rick, about 6 o'clock, I'd say. But we'll, we'll, try, to time, get a, yep. we'll try to get a consistent time. I love a call-in show. So, so think about that. Anything you want to talk about, if you want to be part of the show, trust me, we don't get many calls. If you call, we'll answer. <laughs> trust me. All right, so headlines, Rick. We got to talk about Antonio Brown, right? I guess he he's in camp now, or he's in Napa. I don't think there's any report that he's in camp. We don't have to rehash the story. The only question, Rick. Well, there's a few questions that stem from this. We're concerned about him now, right? Like, there's some type of I don't know if it's CTE or mental health issue or something. I I've never seen anything like this before in my life. I haven't either, and it's kind of funny because, you know, Gruden was on the soapbox saying, I get it, I support him, you know, he wants to wear a blah, blah, blah. And then the NFL says, look, you can get one of those style of helmets if it's not over 10 years old. Okay. Now. So now apparently A.B., I just heard this, um, you know, before right before I got here, he's actually offering – an autographed 
helmet. Like like some schmuck out there's got yeah, got a, one a pro, lot, an eight year old <laughs> right. one laying around. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, what another former pro would want with an AB autograph helmet? I don't know, but apparently he's offering well, that up to if someone has one. <laughs> here's the thing, and we'll get into the fantasy implications and what we should really be talking about. I've got two theories running through my head, and I don't know which I believe, and frankly, probably neither of them are true. First and foremost, I do worry there's something up with him. Yeah, he's always been eccentric. He's always been the diva type, right? But, But this is the end of last season in Pittsburgh and how things are starting here in Oakland is so far above and beyond. This makes Terrell Owens seem like Larry Fitzgerald at this point. You know what I right. mean? So so there's something up there. The other thing I wonder, yeah, he's not happy about the helmet, but any reasonable human being, Reed, Tom Brady, and Aaron Rodgers says, all right, I don't like this, but my union signed off on it. It's the rule. We're right. going to deal with it. Are those feet worse than we think they are? And this is some mass distraction. Uh, I'm not. I can't practice. I don't want to talk about this every day. So I'm gonna have this fit about my helmet. Knowing full well he's gonna show up as he did. It, I don't know. Some. This is so. I think it's you're, beyond being funny. It was funny last week. You know, with with the feet thing. I, so I'm actually. I don't know the man. I'm nervous. I, I'm worried about Antonio. Brown. I think you're just focusing on the wrong end of his body. Quite frankly, <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm not saying that in jest. I, I, I'm. Sometimes I wonder if it is just a case of such a massive ego and he is so rich and he just doesn't care or if there's something truly is seriously wrong. Because it seems like, um, you know, the eccentricity, what what would it be? Eccentricities, I believe. Eccentricities have really increased... Since he was laid out by Vontae Burford, doesn't it? Hit, doesn't I it? Mean, yeah, you it can really kind of tie does. it back to that. And, you know, I don't like to – certainly not a doctor or any of that kind of thing, but, I mean, if a layman can notice – Right. I mean, you know, we're from the Pittsburgh area. I mean, we watch this stuff all yeah, the time. We watched them grow from a six-round, nobody-heard-of, exactly. underdog story to, to this. Right. And it's – I don't know. I mean, it has really magnified itself right. since that game, quite frankly. Yeah, it makes you wonder. So, all right, let, let, let's talk the fantasy implications of this. Let's say <clears> – <throat> excuse me, that's probably going to be picked up pretty well All my gagging over here now. So, let's say Antonio reports to camp and his feet are healed this time next week or even the week after, right, Rick? We still, we still got a little bit of time here. I think we can agree this isn't it, right? This isn't the last nonsense of Antonio Brown. He's already, based on talent and based on potential to produce, undervalued, you know, getting him at the end of the second round in a lot of cases. I don't know what his ADP is now, but how that all factors in. Where are you comfortable if he reports, if he's there, if his feet heal and we're told that's 100% and my theory isn't correct, that that's a bigger issue than they're letting on, does he drop anymore for you? Are you staying away completely? You never say well, I'm staying. anybody who says I wouldn't draft him. No, if right. he's in the seventh round, you're going to draft him. Don't don't give me that nonsense. <laughs> exactly. Where, well, okay, where's right the line? Now, I'm looking at, at um, ADPs. You, know, you can find it on Full Time Fantasy. 
NFL.com. I'm looking at it right now, and in wide receivers only. Okay. He's, um, well, he's 21st overall. He's 2, 4, 6, 8, 9th wide receiver. Okay, so that's he, pretty much it hasn't moved. That's where he's been running most of the He's in between Mike Evans and Keenan Allen. And I tell you what, I'm taking either one of those ahead of Antonio Brown. Right. I'm taking T.Y. Hilton ahead of him. I think so. I'm taking Thielen ahead of him. Yeah. Now this is where I start getting concerned. The next guy below Thielen is Amari Cooper. Um, I really like Amari Cooper, but with the Elliott thing, I'm kind of right. a little edgy too. Then you go Diggs, Edelman, Chris Godwin, um, Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods. I mean, now you're yeah, getting think, out of that tier. I think that's the area. Cooper, so. you maybe even Diggs you can make a, a, a pick for or right. I mean, a case for. Um, after that, it's tough. I mean, you're going to have to take them. So realistically, even with all of this, even for me, who who really truly, and I'm sure I'm not the only one, believes you know we're we're not done <laughs> with with all this nonsense. He only drops a half around around based on average draft position, maybe three or four slots positionally. Yeah, however, all that falls the the settings of your league. Obviously, yeah, the biggest drop was when he went to Oakland. Right. If we didn't have any of this, we'd still be talking about him. What? Right after Hopkins, debate Adams, between Thomas, him and Adams and Thomas somewhere and Jones, in there. Right? Yeah, it's so he's his value's been down. It probably can't drop any further unless something else happens in your face in a suspension. But it, I don't know if it's entertaining. It's weird. We're, we're recording this on Tuesday night. Can't wait for hard knocks. Although I don't know, he probably won't be on it. He hasn't been there. But to see to see how they handle that. All right, Rick. Let's get into it. Of course, right after we went off the air last week. So this news is a week <laughs> old, but I still think it's worth talking about. You know, pay attention to to the tweeters. You know, something major happened right at the end of this show because as soon as we're done recording, something happens every single week. Yeah. But Duke Johnson, Rick, traded to the Texans. I could not be more thrilled for this deal for both sides. This is the rare win-win in my opinion. Oh, I agree. And, you know, talk about um, a great move for Houston. They never really had that person – they had Alfred Blue. He couldn't really feel the shoes of Lamar Miller. You know, Deontay Foreman, your boy. Yeah, I might have uh, missed on that one. A little bit. Out of town. Yeah, out of town. <laughs> They've got the man that they need. He's a pass catcher coming out of the backfield. He, he's decent blocker. He's very capable of taking over if you need to set Miller for a few series. Something like that. Look, Lamar Miller is Houston's guys. I mean, right. they've oh, yeah. never made any kind of indication that Lamar it's it was no, all we always said yeah. that. The, <laughs> exactly. the Texans always said right. keep yapping, yeah. we're gonna hand the ball to Lamar. Yeah, <laughs> the Twitter verse was saying, you know, when's Lamar Miller getting out of time? But you're right. Lamar Miller's fine. He's gonna get his thousand yards, three point nine yards a carry, something like that. Right. He's gonna be just fine. But Duke Johnson adds that that little oomph now right. because you've got Deshaun Watson running around. Now you've got Duke Johnson, a little threat on third down. And, of course, you've got Mr. Hopkins. And I think what happens with Duke Johnson is kind of what we've wanted him to be and we've all predicted him to be in Cleveland the last couple years where he becomes that perfect RB3 in a PPR, that perfect flex play in a PPR 
where I think you see more consistency out of him. I think it's just the perfect situation for him. And conversely, to get a fourth and what could be a third, I never caught what the terms were to make it a third. It doesn't matter. But first of all, that's highway robbery theoretically based on the charts for the Browns for what they were going to use Johnson for. He was unhappy there. Clearly, for whatever reason, there was some divide between him and Baker Mayfield. And in the NFL, if there's a divide between the star quarterback and and anybody else, else, that guy has to go. So there was an issue with the teammates. They read it just perfect for everybody. The, the Browns are fine at the running back position. I don't think he's been in the plan. Duke Johnson's been in the plans for the Browns with Baker Mayfield the way we thought he would be, which is what I think he's going to do in Texas. But, but this is a guy I am targeting all over the place in PPR format. Have him in that flex spot. Have him for bye. He's going to have down weeks. He will, but he's going to have weeks with six, seven catches. You know, I don't expect big touchdown numbers from him, but he's going to touch the ball a lot. He's going to get the ball in space a lot in this offense with that quarterback, with a running back who is unspectacular. So Lamar Miller is going to continue doing what he's going to do, and there's going to be stuff for Duke Johnson, and it's pretty exciting. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And it's something I think the Texans are really going to need because I – I think that's what they've been missing. That's yeah. what they thought they had in Foreman and just outside of Hopkins, that other dynamic playmaker. Yeah. And this division is going to be tough. It always is. I, I don't mean necessarily like the four best teams, but I think you're going to find, and we'll get to Mr. Locke here in just a minute, but I think the Colts are a very good team. I don't think Jacksonville is nearly as bad as what they showed last year. I saw year. your conversation on Twitter today. And, you know, and I, and I think Houston's right in the mix. I think um, Tennessee may be the team that's kind of down looking up. And not to say that they're that bad of a team yeah, either. They play a good brand of defense. Yeah, if, exactly. Depending on what Derrick Henry you get. When are we going to do our season previews? Probably not next week, the week after, right? Well, yeah. Let's see. We have um, – after week four, we'll be doing predictions. So, we got to do it between week three and four of the preseason. So, that'll be – Yeah. Well, it starts on Thursday. We do shows usually on Wednesday. We could actually do it the day before the season starts. Yeah, we could do that. How many yeah. questions are we going to get? How much preview do you do week one? Yeah, draft we'll get, them and start them in the order you draft you know, them week Get one. your lineup questions well, in yeah. if you if you got a choice, with especially with like quarterbacks or flex yeah. spots, that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, there's always some. Yeah. All right, Rick. Pete Carroll, I found this interesting. Uh, not to interrupt, you oh. came across AB's tweet on the Twitter here. Oh, AB's tweeting. I'm looking for a shut air advantage adult large helmet that was manufactured in 2010 or after. In exchange, I will trade a signed practice worn at Raiders helmet. I, is it the one he painted himself? I, I'd, <laughs> I'd move heaven and earth to find him what he needs to get a hold of that. That's the thing of legends yeah. now in the NFL. No doubt. All right, Rick. Pete Carroll, I found this really interesting. It says Chris Carson's going to catch the ball more this season for sure. Talked about his catch radius, how impressed he was. Are we done with the Rashad Penny? Finally, you know, we got beat with it all last off season, and all those dopes come out of the woodwork again and been beating me in the head. I think this is Chris Carson's gig. I, I honestly do. I think it's his gig, but do I think Rashard Penny goes away? No, I, I don't really. Well, not away. He'll have a 100-yard game at some point, and we'll all lose our minds again, and then he'll disappear for another month. 
Yeah, I mean, and and I think rightfully so. Chris Carson, um, look, he had a great year last year. A lot of people don't talk about it. They had 1,150 right. yards and nine rushing touchdowns. And not to mention he had, um, well, let's see here, another 20 catches on top of that. He starts catching the ball more. You throw him in 40 to 45 catch territory even. Now you could probably throw in a couple more touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, this guy stays healthy. Yeah, this could be the new um, beast mode that Seattle was looking yeah, for. Yeah, I mean, if, if you know, we hear this from coaches all the time, sure. right? Sure. I mean, that's a direct question. Well, of course he's going to catch the ball. <laughs> and, and what would you expect him to say? But but it's exciting, and I think he just keeps outperforming Penny. You know, in all the excitement, I know they drafted him high, and, and there's some pressure there. Chris Carson, you nailed it, probably the most quiet, good, if not really good season you know, last he saved me in some leagues. You know, somebody I picked up late, and I had I had injuries. You know, I had Gurley who struggled right. at the end of the year, or places I drafted Le'Veon Bell, thinking he'd show up. You know, Chris Carson re- really bailed me out there. So, so th- this is a guy I'm targeting pretty heavy, pretty heavy right now. And and I know they have Russell Wilson as a quarterback, but you know, let, let's face it. Um, what do we have here? Oh, something com- coming through, yeah. Computers yapping at you. Yeah, it was. But Russell Wilson aside, Seattle was the number one rushing offense in the league last year. And so I think if you get Chris Carson, I think you are in for some really nice dividends. And, and Penny, like, you know, let's not go crazy on Penny, but I think he's going to be a decent enough backup. Yeah. You throw him on your bench. Something happens to Carson. I think like he's Devin. more incapable. I mean, right now on you know, full time fantasy on the ADP and in PPR leagues, you're getting Chris Carson as the 22nd running back taken. I think if anybody can outperform their ADP on that list, you look at some of the guys ahead of them with questions: Derek Henry, Josh Jacobs, David Montgomery. You know, you got some rookies there. Before you get into the big names, even a, even a Damian Williams. As we go through there, I think Chris Carson has that ability. He's Looks to me like he's going to come in as the one, get the bulk of the carries, and it's going to be his job to lose. All right, real quick, we don't got to spend a lot of time on these last couple. Rick Antonio Callaway suspended four games, substance abuse. I don't think this kid's ever going to get it right. I don't know how much room there was for him. Rashard Higgins is intriguing. If you're in some deep league, if you're in a 16-team league, league or something, feels like the numbers never bear it out. This is one of those just gut feelings I have, one of these eye test things. feel like there's something with him and Baker Mayfield. They seem to they seem to have a little something. So th- that's interesting. Nate Sudfield out for six weeks with a broken wrist. Doesn't affect your fantasy team. Affects the Eagles significantly because oh, yeah. Carson Wentz you know, has trouble. And about the only other thing worth talking about, I, I do think this is interesting. Rick Jarek McKinnon still dealing with knee, with knee issues. That knee isn't right. Uh, a lot of talk he could start the season on IR, which would be uh, missing missing the first eight games. Which boy takes Tevin Tevin Coleman, which is a guy I was higher on than most as it was, and boy springs springboards him way way up my draft board. Yeah, I'm still not on board with Tevin Coleman. I've seen I, this is the guy I'm tired of. Everybody when Freeman went out, Tevin Coleman's gig, but and he just never seems to be that person to reach a potential that everybody seems to be talking about. Now, let's not forget Matt Breed is there as, as well, who had a, a bit of success last year on a team that was basically devastated with injury. 
And, um, yeah, Jared McKinnon, this could be one of these guys that at the end of the day when it's all said and done, we'll just never know how good this kid could have been. Right. You know what I mean? Always it, behind kinda, somebody. Yeah, Tyler Eifert. You know, always another, nicked up. Right. Or, this isn't nicked up. I mean, it was a bad knee injury. Right. And then obviously not healing. I, I guess we take for granted, right, recently these guys have been turning around at near – nearly 100% from these ACLs in, what, nine months now, which was yeah. unheard of. Yeah, But every once in a while, you, you, you forget, and it, it just might be. So, so we'll disagree on Coleman. This is a guy. Yeah, I mean. Back back with Shanny in that exciting offense. Boy, I'm, 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 I'm doing this. Can you hear me rubbing my hands together? Oh, I'm sure of that. I'm doing see, subtle. I just want to do um, double check. You know, it would be nice to see after a few more drafts um, the the movement that uh, Tevin Coleman has. They're sitting what at uh, twenty RB twenty seven right now right. into the end of the fifth round. I'll I'll blow up ADPs for for Tevin Coleman if he stays up there because he, he ain't going to last that long. All right, some other things to monitor before we get on with the rest of the show. Anthony Milling de- dealing Anthony Miller, excuse me, dealing with a sprained ankle. That's little, a guy I'm Yeah, so a little bit questionable. For. It says he may miss the season opener. We just know. Keep an eye on that. You know, the savior, Theo Riddick, um, <laughs> fractured shoulder out six to eight weeks. So anybody that really thought he was going to be cutting into Philip Lindsay or Royce Freeman's work, just calm down. There were people trying to say that was going yeah. to – people already liked Freeman more than Lindsay this year, and now that they bring Riddick in, there goes Lindsay's catches, you know, light the barn on fire. Well, the thing, thankfully, that's over with for, exactly. for a while here. Uh, not really fantasy unless you're an IDP, but, you know, Nick Boza dealing with a high ankle sprain. We know oh, what I those hate, things are like. Hate it's the high terrible. ankle sprain. And a, a guy that I really like, but um, better keep an eye on him, Trey Burton, still dealing with off-season sports hernia surgery symptoms. So, not real sure. I mean, I you know they'll keep it hush hush, right? As, as far as that goes, but um, you know, just keep an eye on him. That's you know just something to watch out. And of course, we have to cover Captain Luck. I mean, you read about the the bone yeah. and this, that, and the other. It seems to be a bone issue. And um, Jim Irsay said it was a small, little bone. And the calf muscle is not a bone, right? I'm pretty sure. I'm not a doctor, but I feel confident in agreeing with that, yes. There had been no previously mentioned or disclosed bone injury until Irsay mentioned that on the radio show on Sirius XM that he was on. And he did not specify what part of the body this little bone injury is in. I'm going to guess it's in that leg. Uh huh. But he did say, quote, I really feel confident that he's going to find his way through this thing. Now, if that doesn't sound. I don't like that. Cloudy. Find his way through this thing. Somebody tweaks a, you know. Look, Dante Moncrief, he did a. Bad sprain on his finger or whatever. Nobody's been talking about that after. Okay, you right. know, shake it off. You'll be okay. Yeah. But this is this is something that you know because it, we remember minor surgery to a sore shoulder a right. few years ago, don't we? Yeah, we we talked about it last week. It seems like Andrew Luck. 
heals a little slower than the average NFL player, which I'm, I'm certain could happen. You know, we, we kind of take for granted these standard timetables for these guys. So, so in a way, I'm relieved by this in that it's not still a strained calf because a calf that remains strained from April is, is very, very concerning. And I talked about, you know, the calf injury trying to make a labored uh, a labored comparison to Kevin Durant, and we saw how that went and it ended up the Achilles. So I feel better about that. Hearing what Ursay says about working his way through it, what that tells me is we're not saying it out loud, but this isn't something that's going to heal quick. It's something that's going to recover quickly. You know, when that happens, you get those little bones in the hand and in the feet. These things linger for these guys forever, you know, sometimes, because there's really nothing you can do about it. You can't cast a small – I don't know where there's small bones in your leg. I'm not going to go down that. What I worry about is it's going to be – okay enough that he can play through it. I fully anticipate now he will play in week one. What I worry about is is his mobility, and I think the, the glaring weakness on that team is still the offensive line. If he's not able to move around in the pocket, if he's not able to get outside the tackles and he starts taking a beating, that's that's where I really worry. I have no doubt he can play through this if that's what it is, if it's a minor bone. They can jack him up with the cortisone or, or whatever. I don't, I don't know how that works, but they'll get him zipped up. He'll be feeling good, ready to go. But if this affects his mobility in the pocket and he takes a beating, even if he's not necessarily you know knocked out of games or doesn't necessarily sustain a long-term injury – if that mobility is a big part of his game, right? And it just really, really devalues somebody who I had after Mahomes as the number two quarterback going into the season. He is steadily moving down. There's just too many questions. Use your word, it's cloudy. It's just too many questions. It scares me. It is. And, you know, I was following what was said on Twitter by um, at Pro Football Dog. It's David. Pro football dog. I doc. like it. Oh, doc. Oh, yeah. Doc. That's a good account. Yeah. yeah. And um, actually, um, he used to be an NFL team doctor, uh, David J. Chow. He is all over stuff. If you follow him yeah. in-game, in you'll see a guy go down and get carted off the field. He'll tell you by watching the replay what it is, and I swear to God, he's got to be 98%. He'll give you timetables. He'll give you that, – that guy's good. Right. And, and I mean, he – Basically went through, he, he numbered numbered this stuff out here. It says, one, team says calf. Two, luck says lower leg. Three, no one says Achilles. Four, luck indicated ankle pain. Five, Ursay says bone issue. Six, Ursay started to say mo, M-O. Not sure what that is, okay? Seven, Timing of injury not pinpointed. Eight, clearly has lingered. Nine, MRI shows nothing. Okay? So then it goes on, um, you know, this is not a formal opinion, but he's putting the pieces together. And he says that everything points to something called myositis ossificans. No kidding. Which is a condition where bone tissue forms inside muscle or other soft tissue after an injury. Mm. It tends to develop in young adults and athletes who are more likely to experience traumatic injuries. Most of the time, 
myositis ossificans occurs in the large muscles of the arms or legs. All right. So, throwing that out there from uh, you know, Dr. He, David does, J. Child yeah, knows a lot more than no, I do. And if that's his thought, believe me, it's right. So, <laughs> does he discuss... You know, is there? Is it require surgery? Does it? Do we play through it? Does it? Does he get into any of that? What? What's it mean then? Because I have no doubt that's what it is. Now I'm convinced. I'm going to learn that phrase. What's it called? Ossificans. I am now the Ossificans <laughs> guy, and that's right. all I'm going to talk about on this air for the rest of the year. Yeah, I mean, it, it's not. Um... You know, he doesn't have, you know, a cure or any of that kind of stuff okay. on there. But, um, you know, it, and obviously it's going to be, you know, obviously the severity of it would dictate how long it takes to get rid well, of or, right. or whatever it takes, you know, to get to get it over with, you know, to get through it. So it says this is a condition of heriotopic ossification. Extra love the ossification. Yeah, extra bone forming in the soft tissue. Not dangerous, not cancer, but can cause symptoms. Um, what else does he say? Where there are different where there are differing stories, the truth is always somewhere in the middle. What might explain this is myositis ossification. That was a tweet that right. I, I couldn't okay. find right off the bat, but that's why, you know, it wasn't an official um, diagnosis, he says, I, as I gather more info, I'll add to this tweet chain, blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, there it is. Who knows? Yeah. But I tell you what, it's very concerning if you're a fantasy yeah, yeah, drafter. Yeah, that's he, for sure. He drops. He, he drops, certainly. All right, Rick, what do you want to do? Do we want to answer more QB questions? Do we want to uh, overreact? Well, Pick an order. It makes no difference. Let's overreact. All right. I, I, I like, I like over. to overreact. It's what I do. So, uh I'll tell you what, you overreact first because I have a feeling both of ours are the first one and I give you ownership of this player if I'm right in guessing what your first overreaction is. You know, I'm going to overreact on someone I think that's going to surprise you Oh, because I am in his corner and I still think that he's the heir apparent to Juju Uh to Brown. I was right. I knew it. That was my James one. Washington. Looked great. Looked he looks great. great. And and I think he's going to continue to progress and be a very good, if not great, receiver throughout his career. But everybody all of a sudden are throwing their hands up and why'd we even get Moncrief? I mean, this is, you know <laughs> Well, that's just Pittsburgh. That's typical. <laughs> we've Pittsburgh. had, you know, what we've got James Washington. If we and, hadn't spent those nine dollars on right, Dante Moncrief, right. we could have brought in Tom Brady yeah. to back up Ben Roth. We could have given just the Pittsburgh. janitor three Iron City beers. <laughs> uh, you know. It's uh, exactly. No. So I mean, look, I, I think this is nothing but good news for the Steelers. James Washington, everything. Right. It makes that offense that much deeper and that much more explosive. Simple as that. Yeah, I, I think he, he's a big piece there. And I, I think maybe from a fantasy, fantasy perspective, more than bolstering what maybe meager value Washington had as it was, unless you're in pretty deep leagues, it might, if this continues, my overreaction would be it might devalue Moncrief. For people like me, and I've been in the echo chamber, this is the one I've been buying into and in lockstep with is Moncrief's going to come in, had the instant ca- 
chemistry with Ben, you know, all the praise coming from from the offensive staff, and that Moncrief was going to have a big year and be a fantasy-relevant type of player. Coming off the question we had with, with Moncrief and with the wide receivers last week, this is maybe more of an even spread with, you know, here's the overreaction part, with James Washington taking a bigger part of that than maybe I had thought and a lot of others had thought, which only devi- makes the Steelers' offense much better. Exactly. But maybe devalues Moncrief. Not that Moncrief had tremendous value, but he was the guy, right? Maybe James Washington's the guy and Moncrief's the – you know the red zone guy. He's always kind of had a nose for the for the goal line. He did did well in those scenarios, but the overreaction. I'm with you. It's the first one I had written down, and that you know he at least takes work away from Moncrief if he doesn't step up to be that number two. And you look back at, you know, they had two 100 catch receivers last year, the Steelers, plus everybody else, Connor. Um, Eli Rogers, Washington had the 40-some catches, I believe. Vance McDonald, Jesse James. There's no reason in the world you can't have a 100-catch guy in Juju Smith-Schuster and maybe two other 85-catch guys. I, I mean, I see, Theoretically. No, I see no reason why you couldn't. I mean, maybe it's 85 and 75, and it's distributed now. But let's face it, Jesse James' target's gone. Antonio Brown's targets are gone. Right. Ben's just not going to hand off to James Conner. That's not who no. they are. They're no. not going to do that. There's, there's going to be a lot of passes thrown in Pittsburgh. And if it evens out a little bit more than what people think between Moncrief and Washington, so be it. But it gives a Pittsburgh a really good balanced attack. Right, yeah. I, I don't know. 85, do, do we see Moncrief or Washington – no, Either maybe 85 not. catch guys. Maybe. Boy, if one of them's an 85 catch guy, that's that's news, and that might be. Do it, Rick. This is the overreaction segment. Predict 85 reception for James Washington. Do it and do it now. 85 catches. I love it. You I got love it. it. Write it down. But I see. But if you think, no, about I, it, I get where you're going. I mean, yeah. those hundred catches that Brown had last year, hundred and whatever it was, fourteen. I don't have the right in front of me. It's going to get divided up somehow, right. even if it's not 100% the same amount of catches. There's going to be 100 catches split somewhere. And I almost you throw to... 50 of them to each of them. Now James Washington is at 95 catches. So, I mean, yeah, I don't see why he can't be an 80-85 catch guy. I love the prediction. That's an overreaction, Rick. All right, here's my big one. Darwin... And I'm not overreacting because I think everybody else is because I think still Moncrief is going to be yeah. a major player. Yeah, he's going to be a nice piece. I, I'm going to like his. You might still do touchdown-only leagues. He's a guy I'm definitely <laughs> targeting there. I played in a few of those back in the 90s. Oh, yeah. My, my first – A lot uh, simpler, a lot less stressful. My first couple of years. Yeah, but you know what? It is – I don't know if you're old enough to remember. You might be. You remember Robert Edwards? Yes, certainly. The, the running back for the Patriots, a right. rookie, made the Pro Bowl, and then about lost his leg in Hawaii right, playing yeah. flag football on the beach, which was devastating. I remember that year I was in a touchdown-only league. He rushed for 193 yards, I believe it was, or 198 yards. Did not score a touchdown. <laughs> you got I got three douche. points <laughs> because there was a bonus for 100 oh. yards or whatever it was. I got three points for that. About 190. <laughs> for 198-yard rushing. 
uh, day. I, I mean, that was just, and I, and I told Mike myself. Mike Allstott was a top three pick. <laughs> and, yeah, and I told my buddy, I said, you know, I'm done with this <laughs> touchdown crap. I mean, because that that was just brutal. All right, Brutal. A, a guy who may not be great in a touchdown-only league, Rick, but I have decided after one game of preseason action in Kansas City, Darwin Thompson, rookie out of Utah State, five carries, 22 yards, a 29-yard touchdown reception. Great performance. Anybody who's in that Kansas City offense you get excited about, here's the deal. Here's where I'm going to overreact and try to base it in some fact. Andy Reid was asked about, is he willing to have a running back by committee? You can tell how much fantasy has permeated normal NFL media where he's being asked this question. And you got Damian Williams, who had a nice you know second half of the year last year. You got Carlos Hyde, who's getting a lot of praise in camp right now. And then Darwin Thompson comes out and has a performance like that in the first preseason game against guys who will be changing tires in three weeks. I understand all that. But Andy Reid is asked, you know, are you looking at one of these guys as your top number one running back, or are you – are you looking for the RBBC? And basically his response is, I don't have the exact quote here, was, well, I had a lot of success with that in Philadelphia over over the years. That's something we're going to do here. So Damian, great, great finish to last season. Never been to workhorse, right? Never, never had a full season. Right now you've got Tyreek Hill, who I've got to imagine is going to get might be being suspended as we speak. Even if that incident's done, he's going to do something else stupid within the hour. This is what he does. Sammy Watkins, and then a bunch of no-name or rookie court, wide receivers, excuse me. If we still believe this offense is going to score 30 points a game, there's going to be plenty to go around him. Boy, Darwin Thompson just looked like one of those guys. You get him the ball in space, he's going to be a toy for a great offense and a great quarterback, and I'm overreacting, and Darwin Thompson's going to be at the end of a lot of my benches, and if I end up with a Williams, he's going to be my handcuff, not Carlos Hyde. Yeah, I'd say that's overreacting. I'm overreacting. I'm in. I'm in, bro. I'm. I'm all. I'm. I'm with you. I'm with you. Overreaction. That's beautiful. I love it. All right, give me one more, Rick. We'll do one more each, and we'll go on to QBs. I have oh. no idea where we're at in the show. I forgot to start the timer again, so we're just gonna. What go. does it matter? What does it matter no. when you're sitting back enjoying a nice cold beverage in your easy chair? Listening to the soothing voices of Fligger and Briggs at on the full two and time. a half speed. At two and a half speed. <laughs> Liars. So you can jam more <laughs> into your head. What 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 does time matter? You can just turn it faster anyway. <laughs> okay, we can't overreact. You know, I'm not going to overreact. No, you because, have to. That's oh, the, I'm that's going the to. Bit. Okay, I have to. Oh no, go ahead and do it. No, want to I, do. I no, I think I'm going to. I, 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 like I want it. to do overreact. I, I, you know, you told me to overreact, and that's what it is. So, Daniel Jones is oh. the instant second coming of Fran Targington and New York Giants. <laughs> Eli, who? I mean, because Daniel Jones is 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 the man. Five for five, sixty-seven yards and a touchdown. He is the man. Period. Done. I like it. I don't know if it's true. It's probably not true, Rick. 
but I pray it is. The way all these draft nicks reacted and got all smug and on their high horse about it. And the New York fans fans. and just crushed this Where is the parent of that 10-year-old or 11-year-old, whatever it was, when he's at training kit, you know, in practice, and he screams at Daniel Jones, you didn't deserve to be the sixth overall pick. What do you mean he didn't deserve to be? <laughs> he got picked by the New York Giants. If you're mad at somebody, be mad at the New York Giants. <laughs> right. Don't be mad at this kid who's done nothing but the, all the right things. Right. And now he's an NFL quarterback, and you, you can go deliver papers, you little slob. <laughs> I like it. That, that's what we're looking for. You can't listen to that at two times speed. I'm, I'm obsessed with that. I got to stop. Yeah, look, I don't. Here's what I know: not being a draft nick, not being a measurables guy. He does look like an NFL quarterback standing there. Now he went out and came up five for five. They were safe throws, first of all, against a vanilla C team defense. The touchdown he threw while he threaded the needle in a real NFL game would have been picked off twice, I think. Yeah. Know, he kind of floated between two guys. For me, this is all about just hoping. D- Daniel Jones is now my favorite player in the National Football League, only for that reason, the way everybody reacted. And, you know, let's just and say – And if he passes the Peterman, oh, I mean, well, that's he, gonna, yeah, he's yeah. really done something. You saw what the Peterman yes, did. Yes, sir. I thought what a of scramble, a, huh? Well, he's the best preseason quarterback <laughs> in the history of the NFL. That's my guy right there. But just the way he was treated, the way they reacted, and I, I pray he becomes Patrick Mahomes next season, and then all these people who crushed him stand up and tell us how, yeah, you know, he was still drafted too high, but we knew he was going to put up these type of numbers. Yeah, but right. they still could have taken him at 17, and yeah. then I'm going to take over your mantle as the at Asylum Football Twitter troll and just start <laughs> blasting people I root for him. All right, Rick, one more here. Eh, what are we going to do? I had Daniel Jones on the list. For everyone excited about Darius Geis, and if anybody's excited about Adrian Peterson, that Washington offensive line is bad. <laughs> that so Washington Redskins team yeah. is bad. Now, granted, everybody who started on the offensive line was a backup, but right. there's a good chance three or four of the five of those backups are going to have to start week one with the Trent Williams holdout, with the injuries. If that's what they're going in with, Eric Flowers, if that's what they're going in with, it's going to be tough sledding for the quarterbacks. You know, Case Keenum, God bless him. We're going to talk about their quarterback situation here shortly. Darius, it's going to be a struggle. That team is bad, and it starts with that offensive line, with the holdouts, with the injuries, with the general lack of talent. (laughs) Right. I I think they say that about our show, the general lack of talent. But, yeah. But we have heart. That's all that matters. It's week one preseason. It's all backups. But I don't. Maybe this isn't an overreaction because I think two or three of those guys will be starting in the beginning of September. That's bad news for for Darius Geis owners. Big time bad news. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, it's uh... look, people are going to get their they're going to get their yards, but they they are way too high on Geis. Yeah, for for that reason, I think. Well, we got the for, questions with the injury, obviously. Obviously, look at McKinnon. McKinnon, yeah, 
And let, let's not forget, you got Adrian Peterson still there. He was a thousand yard runner last year. This team, like you said, is, is a piecemeal offensive line, and I don't think Adrian Peterson is going to be sitting on the bench. I don't think either one of these guys are who you want to be drafting very high. No, no. Simple as that. And I'll tell you what, let's use that as a segue. Let's get into our quarterback burning questions, and I'll start with Washington since we're there. Dwayne Haskins, Case Keenum, Colt McCoy. I know it doesn't matter from a fantasy perspective, except maybe to Darius Geis and to that meager wide receiver core. Who wins this job? How long before we see Haskins, if we see him at all? What the, how does this situation play out for you? I don't really think it's going to matter who wins it. I, I think it's Case Keenum, quite frankly, hands down, at least to start the season. I don't think they want to throw – um, Haskins into the 28th overall offense from last year. Uh, Keenum's actually had a modicum of success. Right. And he's a veteran, knows a lot more about the game, professional football. So, yeah, I mean, I think he – look, Colt McCoy, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, but – you know, who just put that on a T-shirt? Colt McCoy. No, no. Yeah, I mean it, it's Keenum until, you know, I mean it's it's an arbitrary statement statement until they cha- make the change. But when it is, I'm not real sure. I mean, they could be. They he may get hurt the second week. Who knows? And they may have to be putting in Colt McCoy and and Haskins and so forth. But I, I don't know. They're Look, this team's not very good. Um, 17th in the league rushing last year. They've got to improve that. They were 29th in the league in passing last year. That has to improve. And if you look at their depth chart in wide receivers, you know, it doesn't give you a lot of options. I mean, when it gets right down to it, I mean, Jordan Reed – at, at tight end, of course, has all the potential, but he tend, he's healthy right now. But we all know what's going to happen, right? No, oh, Yeah, unfortunately but, we do. But the wide receivers, and this is no bash on them, but let's face it, is Paul Richardson or Josh Doxson ever anybody you ever thought as a wide receiver won? No. I mean, no. and that's your starting two. You have Trey Quinn, Terry McLaurin, Cam Sims. I mean, there's just a lot of ham and eggers and, and rookies that you don't know anything about on this team. The the offensive line, like you said, is not very good, and it's not very deep. Exactly. On, on, to, yeah. on top of that, they've got some injuries now, and they just don't have – a lot of depth on that line to back. You know, if Eric Flowers would happen to go out at left guard, they're moving someone from a different position to take his spot as it sits right now. So, I mean, there's just so much can go wrong with that. But to get back to your question, Case Keenum. I think we see all three before this is all said and done. Because Keenum's going to win the job coming out of camp. He should for all the reasons you laid out. He's an actually he's actually a, a professional quarterback. Colt McCoy still isn't 100% right with his, his offseason injuries that, that he's been dealing with. 
Jay Gruden loves Colt McCoy. So very early in the season, Keenum will make a mistake and he will get sat down in favor of Colt McCoy. And then McCoy will get injured or he'll make enough drastic mistakes that then once they declare this season over, which could be mid-October looking at their schedule and the makeup of their team, then you see Dwayne Haskins. And and I have concerns about Dwayne Haskins. If you want to talk about this could have fit in the week one preseason overreactions. You know, out of the three big ones, him, Murray, and Jones, he he looked lost. He he made some exciting plays, right, his ability to move around. You can see why he was a first-round draft pick. But Gruden's been you know dead honest about it all at camp, and you could kind of see it. He's behind. He He's way behind right now. Yeah. You know, not only to the two veterans on his team, but, you know, even amongst the, the other two, you know, first-round quarterbacks. So, but he's going to get that opportunity, you know, uh, Daniel Snyder's going to put that pressure on, especially as the season goes to try and sell a few tickets. So, and let's carry it through to October 6th. You saw it talked about it uh, mid-October um, at Philadelphia, at home against Dallas, at home against Chicago, at the New York Giants, and then at home against, again against New England. I think best-case scenario, that's one in four, what you just read off. Yeah. Best-case scenario, maybe you can go up and beat the Giants. Maybe. Maybe, and yeah, uh, and, and it's three division games. Right. You know, you got Dallas, Philadelphia, and the Giants. They happen to go 0 and 3 against those guys, and it's already over as far as, as any type of yeah. division goes. And the season's basically shot, too, yeah, because, so. you know, you, you get to play them again, but you also have, okay, Miami's a winnable game. Then you have San Francisco, Minnesota, Buffalo. The Jets, Detroit, Carolina, Green Bay, Philadelphia, Giants, Dallas. I mean, it's not an easy schedule. It doesn't get any easier from there. So so I think what this means from a fantasy perspective, you, you're not, unless you're in a deep super flex or something, any, in, any super flex, maybe this is relevant to you at some point. But otherwise, in, in your standard normal fantasy league, the, the quarterback, what, what I'm interested in is what this means for, you know, I've let myself again – I do it every year, get myself whipped in a frenzy over Jordan Reed. He's in camp. We keep hearing how healthy he is, how good he has played. I know he's going to get injured, but let's just pretend we live in my fantasy land where he doesn't, (laughs) all right? I think he could benefit even with the bad offensive line, but a lot of hype, right? A lot of hype about McLaurin, right? Everybody's excited about him. Speedster, that bad offensive line, these bad quarterbacks. I don't trust anybody to get there. You know, this is kind of Doxon's last stand. You know, does he finally live up to his draft position? No, I don't think number one, he's right. good enough. Number two, he doesn't have the horses to help him out. So I don't know. That was a lot of Washington Redskins bashing. <laughs> kind of Not really bashing, but I, I just don't. I just don't want anyone to get over hyped on any of these players and overdraft them. You know, your Geises or Doxon. You know, somebody's got to be wide receiver one. Yeah, that's fine. But this but, is the year he finally puts it together. Yeah, it isn't. He sucks. Okay, we actually had a question. I figured I'd throw that oh. in as one of our burning questions. Oh, it I says, like it. I see many analysts showing a large drop for Big Ben in 2019. What's your take? You know what? I, I had this question written down because, look, he lost his two top weapons, right? Now, he didn't have one at all last season right. as it was, but still – in a vacuum, you lose Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown. You you think that that should hurt you. 
Ben Roethlisberger's always been that weird case where all we talk about is how high-powered that offense is and all the weapons and how much he's going to throw. And he never really got in that conversation as a QB1, even in the good years, right? He was always kind of right at the bottom of that. He was always a a streaming option. If if you had him, you you had somebody else in in the same realm. I think, honestly, and this sounds so dumb, I think losing Antonio Brown, losing Le'Veon Bell are good things for Ben Roethlisberger. He's one of those wears-it-on-his-sleeve type of guys. And so when he says something, I believe it because he doesn't have the filter. He doesn't have the, you know, on to Cincinnati, you know, Bill Belichick, New England thing. He tells you what he's thinking. And when he said a couple weeks ago, I don't remember the exact quote, but this is the most fun I've had in a long time or I love this game again or something, I feel like there was – it was pressing on him – having to deal with all these egos. Now, granted, this is because he's got the biggest ego in the room and anybody trying to compete with that, but he's the star quarterback. That's the way this league works. We covered that with Aaron Rodgers a couple weeks ago. So, yeah, I mean, that's he's a starting quarterback. I think this means big things for him. And I don't know, where's he going quarterback-wise? We're still in that 14, 15 range. Yeah, most likely. Let me pull it up. I can look right quick. Yeah, we'll just wait. I I need to stop a break. We've been talking for a long time. So, yeah, I mean, he's down – Two, four, 15. six, eight, ten, twelve. I got him at fourteen. Yeah. So yeah. All right. So here's the guys ahead of him. So I'll tell you what. Let's do this. Let's play the game. You we'll, got it. We'll start at the top, so it's we can go quick. Mahomes, yeah. Rogers, yeah. Watson, Luck, Baker Mayfield, Mayfield, Matt Ryan, Ryan, Drew Brees. I'm. I would probably go Brees. To... I'd probably go Brees. Carson Wentz. Roethlisberger. Look, I I just don't – I'm not going to anoint Wentz yet. Play a game in December before I get too excited about you. This one blows my mind still. Kyler Murray. Ben Roethlisberger. Cam Newton. Ben. Ben. Russell Wilson. I think I'm Wilson. Wilson, yeah. Jared Goff. Ben. Ben, I think. Jameis Winston. Ben. Phil Rivers. That's a push, Flip a right? coin. Yeah. I don't care. So that puts us – Probably Rick. Ben, though. If you made me pick, pick one, I would probably take Ben. Yeah. So, I mean, we're talking – we got Ben Roethlisberger about QB9, QB10. I, I didn't right. keep perfect track. And I think that's what it is. I think the shackles are off him. He is really – I believe it. When he says that, he's the rare athlete that I believe what he says. And I think freeing him up, it's kind of like the fountain of youth – and I think, you know, while he doesn't have the great weapons, he's got good weapons. He's got that great relationship with Schuster. I think the locker room and betters in, in general is a better place. I think he has a big year, and he is a QB1 this year, ahead of all those guys we mentioned. I agree. And, and I'll tell you what, during and, – and it started – I really started noticing it uh, way back in the Scott Fishbowl draft, and I've been in some uh, subsequent drafts and just you know, mock drafts and just looking – Another guy that's really taking a beating is Drew Brees. Yeah, he is. People okay. are thinking it's over for him. <laughs> Look, folks, I, mean, I, I, I forget who I was talking to, to about two or three weeks ago. He had his lowest yard total last year. The first year, it was lowest since 2005. 
and he still put up 32 touchdowns <laughs> and, I don't know, a handful of picks. I mean, this guy is going to pass, and he's going to put up 42 to 4,700 yards. Yeah, that's just who he is. So he's not right. He's not top three no. like he was in his heyday, but believe me, he's still Drew Brees. That's still the New Orleans Saints offense. You got it. All right, Rick, Lamar Jackson. There's another name getting all kinds of love in, in fantasy circle. Any of it justified? To me, no. I, I, I've watched – I've been watching him in camp. I, look, he can run. He's a great athletic quarterback, but he can't throw. And I'm sorry. I, it's His arm strength and accuracy is nothing to write home about. And you know what? If you, if you can't throw, you're not going to survive in the NFL. Right. And, and, and all indications are, you know, out of their early training camp was he's throwing a harder ball. He's throwing a tighter spiral. I believe all that. I have, have no doubt he worked the entire tirelessly the entire offseason to improve it. I'm going to have to see it when you got a middle linebacker bearing down on you. Right. When you're doing it on the run, things like that. I expect any third-string NFL quarterback to be able to throw a tight spiral through a brick wall. Exactly. So the fact that he just learned how to do that after his rookie season. Now, look, he will have big fantasy games here and there, but it's going to be predicated off the rush. On his legs, right. There's going to be – he's not going to go out – and throw for 350 yards and three touchdowns. Now, the the counter-argument to that is, well, if he runs for 60 in a touchdown and throws for 250 in a touchdown, that's a pretty good week. You're right, but I think you're going to see more 125 one-touchdown, two-pick games or one-touchdown, one-pick right. games than you're going to see you know, 200 in a touch and 60, 75 rushing in another touch. I just, if if anything, you know, shout out to our boy here on the network, Bob Lung. There's going to be an inconsistency factor there, especially if there is this concerted effort based off the notion that he's throwing a better ball, that he's going to be more of a pocket passer. Anytime you take these guys who are great athletically, who are great on the move, who like to run the ball, and you try to force them to become a pocket passer, name one time it's worked. It's never worked. This is going to be, to me, the textbook example to find out if, you know, because we always see this debate. Do the wide receivers make the quarterback look better or the quarterback make the wide receivers? I mean, obviously we've seen, you know, so, some wide receivers, Andre Johnson, Larry Fitzgerald, right. et cetera, make quarterbacks look better. And probably seen some quarterbacks make some wide receivers look much better, you know. Who like okay. Tom Brady? Anybody who's left Green Bay? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Reed well, Dion Branch. <laughs> right. We, yeah, exactly. Yeah. We have Lamar Jackson, and your wide receivers are Willie Sneed, Marquise Brown, and Seth Roberts, Chris Moore, Miles Boykin. You know, just go on and on. I tell you what, if this turns into a top ten quarterback that that, that some people are actually predicting, boy. I want. I want to see it. I, I want to see who made who. Right. Exactly. I mean, because you know, we saw Willie Sneed in, in New Orleans. Didn't really set the world on yeah, fire. That was Drew Brees making Willie Sneed, not the other way around. Bingo. And, and so, I mean, 
I don't know. That to me, there's no justification in this hype. Look, he's a great athlete. Certainly, he's a hard worker. I'm not taking anything away from, him, but we're talking purely elite fantasy numbers and so forth. In 2019, right? In 2019, no. All right, you got any more? We've got time to shut her down. Well, we've got some other things that we probably oh. need to cover here. Well, let's do that then. Um, you know, came across a story right before the show here. Well, that this story's gotten a lot of hype in the studio. I'm not aware of. <laughs> it has nothing to do with fantasy football. Shocker. But not on the asylum. You, you can know, go up to three times speed now, folks. Go ahead. But <laughs> Yeah, I've got to uh, get off that. I don't know why that chaps my ass so bad. I've got to let it go. But a 19-year-old playing in the Dutch Open Championship in the Netherlands at the end of July, um, in a chess tournament. Oh, chess! Chess okay. tournament. Uh, he had Your a hands na- cold. He had, he had a national rating of 15-12, and he got disqualified for cheating. Ooh, how do you cheat at chess? Bingo. That's the million-dollar question, isn't it? Well, apparently, this guy caught the attention of a lot of the officials by making moves that a level 1,512 player just doesn't seem to make all the time in a tournament. Okay. Under pressure, right? Um, In three tournaments, he had gained 373 rating points to boot. So, I mean, he was a 1,200 player all of a sudden up to a meteoric rise. Exactly. Well, it just so happened that uh, this kid kept getting up and going to the bathroom. And actually, um, he stayed, he he actually got up 15 times in one game to go to the toilet and actually was away one time for 12 minutes. Well, the guy got a um, an idea, so he immer- immediately there's a tournament goes on for almost like a week or whatever. You bash okay, stuff I'm banging there. things around. We Sorry. ordered a metal detector. Apparently, okay. they didn't have any, so you ordered one off Amazon. It showed up the day before the penultimate match. I like penultimate. So they ran it over him. Well, he was carrying a phone. He was going to the toilet and would put the exact board. On a chessboard and following the moves the computer made. Then he was winning. So basically you're playing against a computer when you're playing this game. Exactly. So he lost all his points and he got disqualified. Yeah, that's a shame. I, I like his ingenuity. Well, it's called cheating, right? Oh. Yeah. Is it? Yes. Okay. And a quick his- history lesson oh, for you. Oh, I do you. like our weekly history lesson. Yes, and, and you'll see a little theme as I, as I go through. Oh. You know, on this day, this is August 13th, and we're recording on August 13th, so, you know, if you listen to it on the 15th, don't tweet me and say, hey, a double day before. <laughs> Why do most of our listeners sound like that? <laughs> because they're probably in homes and people make them listen to us. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, on August 13th, 1906, Cubs pitcher Jack Taylor ends a string of completing 202 games, 107 complete games, and 15 in relief. Nice. Okay. In 1948, Satchel Page at 42 pitches his first major league complete game. At the age of 42? At the age of 42. 1962. 
Burke Camp and Nares. Pitches appendexterously. Appendexterously? Appendexterously. Now you got me. I can't say it. You know, with both hands. <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm with you. Okay. Ambidextrously, I believe, is the word Amb- you were searching for. I don't know what you said, but it wasn't that. <laughs> Ambidextrously. I thought that's no, what I said. You're, you're adding something there. Say it again. <laughs> no. Ambidextrously. Ambidextrously. Now you got it. You, you were adding about three syllables I out don't of think nowhere in that thing. But it just seems strange. It's a theme that I uh, kind of followed through baseball. Oh, I know what your theme is. <laughs> What's my theme, Rick? It, how weak pitchers today are and the amount of complete gains. If you ever want to react to Rick Briggs, react or interact with him on Twitter, don't send a fantasy football question. That's a 50-50 chance you're going to hear back. No, don't send that's him, not true. Don't send him something nice or complimentary. Then you won't hear anything. Don't send him an insult. He's not going to respond. However, send any innocuous tweet about a modern-day pitcher throwing seven, seven shutout innings, and he will instantly, even if we don't follow you, he will find it and fire back a response how by the time Bob Gibson got to this point in the season, he'd thrown 47 complete games, <laughs> lost 30 of them. It doesn't matter. Rick will attack you instantly on, on this subject. Hey, I don't this is mind something you're seven scoreless about. innings. Give me seven, I'll take. <laughs> yeah, this – Four and a half or five because of the pitch count drives me crazy. Sabermetrics and Rick Briggs do yeah. not mix. And on August 13, 1942, the Manhattan Project commences under the direction of U.S. General Leslie Groves. You know what the Manhattan Project was, Rick? I'm blanking. I, I do, but I'm going to sound like a boob because I can't pull it right now. To create and deliver the atomic That's bomb. That's right, yes, yes. And in 1989, on this date, PGA Championship was won by... Payne Stewart, the Payne late great Stewart. Payne Stewart. Was he a plane crash? Right? Yeah, plane Terrible. crash. Yep, and he won by one in 1989 over Andy Bean, Mike Reed, and Curtis Strange, and that is it, my man. All right. Well, that sounds like a good a time as any to shut it down. Thanks so much for joining us. We will be back next week right here on the Full Time Fantasy Podcast Network. Check them out, fulltimefantasy.com. Get in some of those drafts, some of those best ball leagues. It's a great time. Start getting those questions in, draft questions, a couple of weeks away from start sit questions. Become a part of it at Asylum Football on Twitter, asylumfootball at gmail.com. Whew, these things get longer every week. Until next time, we'll see you. Take care. <laughs>